Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome to this La Liga Loden podcast where we're going to be taking a look at a legend of Spanish football with curls, charisma and championships to his name Carles Puyol defined an era at Barcelona as their longest ever serving captain and we're going to be telling his story today. We'll start with La Liga Loden's Barcelona correspondent Roman de Arquer who's going to tell us just how much he loved watching Puyol and how Puyol rose to the top at the Catalan club. When the name Carles Puyol comes up in a conversation, I think of him as one of the best centre-backs, if not the best, I've ever seen. I always like to remember how he stopped opponents from scoring in multiple occasions by throwing his body into the trajectory of the ball after his goalkeeper had already been beaten. There was no getting through him. So obviously his defensive qualities stand out above all. But you'd be surprised to know that at the very beginning of his career, Puyol was all but a centre-back. Because he started playing as a goalkeeper when he was a kid, but he had to give up on that position when he developed back problems. Puyol explained in an interview that he had no fear and that he would throw himself everywhere. But the fact was that at the time he was playing on concrete or dirt pitches, so just imagine the impacts. So he decided to switch positions and went on to play as a striker. Although at this point, Puyol wasn't playing in a team because in his hometown, La Pobla de Sagur, there was no squad for younger kids. He would just be playing informal games with his friends. But not long after, his school decided to create an indoor football team, which would compete against other clubs in the same province. So his debut in a competitive match didn't come until he was 13 years old. And they were surprisingly successful, making it to multiple finals. Shortly after, when he was 14, they picked him to play for the Payars Juza Under-14 regional team, where he then made his debut in an 11-a-side football. Puyol had something special, and that's why he was invited once a week to train with CF Pobla de Saur, his hometown's main club, in which he was sharing the ball with older players. In fact, some would even double his age. Finally, the club decided to create a youth squad so talented kids like Puyol could finally get the chance to develop and play regularly. He played there as a winger and scored plenty of goals. Although it wouldn't take him too long to reach the main squad again, where he played the next season as a midfielder, with his brother Josep Xavier Puyol, who was three years older than him. During this time at the club, Uriol Tort, who worked as a scout for Barca, went to watch Puyol's team play a game, but wasn't impressed by any of the players. As a matter of fact, he had enough with the first half and left before the game finished. Puyol admitted that he had a bad first 45 minutes, but went on to score the winning goal in the second half. At the end of the season, he became the second top goalscorer, just behind his brother Josep Xavier. The extra goal his brother managed was actually thanks to an assist from Carlos Puyol himself. But the curly-haired kid would get a second chance thanks to a man named Ramon Sostres, a lawyer who was from the same town as Puyol, who would eventually become his friend and agent, getting him a chance to try himself in Barca's youth system. 
He was joined by his brother in their first session, and they both gave the coach at the time, Juan Martinez Vilaseca, a good impression. Unfortunately for Josep Xavier, he was rejected due to his elder age, being 19 at the time and possibly not prepared to play in higher categories, whereas Carras was invited to return in the near future for a three-week test. Martinez Vilaseca finally decided to give him the chance to join the team after a friendly game played at the end of his tryout. He saw Puyol as a strong, explosive, quick and competitive player, but also a hard worker and a team player. Values that would certainly define his career at Barcelona. And that's how on the 22nd of June of 1995, at the age of 17, Carlos Puyol signed his first official contract for the club, joining La Masia. He started playing as a midfielder, still scoring goals and participating in attack and defence, very similar to what nowadays people call a box-to-box player. His good performances and his dedication on the field allowed him to keep growing as a player and counting for the club managers until the point of making it up to Barca B, the last step before playing with some of the best players in the world. At the B team, once again he was moved to another position, this time as a right back. He played 89 games, but his scoring stats obviously decreased due to this new position, scoring only 6 goals. During that time, he got the chance to make his dream come true, to play in Barca's first team. His debut came on the 2nd of October of 1999 against Real Valladolid, after Michael Reisiger, one of Barca's fullbacks, was unavailable for the game. Puyol started on the bench, but got his first minutes when he was subbed on for Simao Sabrosa. Atención que está preparado para entrar Carlos Puyol. Sería el debut de Puyol amb el primer equip del Barça en partit oficial. Aquí el tenim, 21 anys. Puja del Barça B, se'n va Simao i entrarà Puyol. Suposem que jugarà de lateral dret. But his dream might have never come true had he gone to Malaga in 1998 when he was still playing for Barca B. The Andalusian club reached an agreement with Barcelona to sign Puyol, but he was too stubborn to accept this great opportunity. After seeing Xavi debut with the first team, he was convinced he could do the same and wanted no other thing than to play for Barcelona. And it paid off, since Luis Bangal gave him his first minutes against Valladolid. He quickly became an essential player for the Dutch coach as a starting right back, playing 37 games among La Liga, Champions League and Copa del Rey. He was also handed the Don Ballon Award for being the best revelation player of the year. The next season, 2000-2001, he lost a bit of protagonism after Juren Serra Ferre became the new manager, only taking part in 24 games. But that season he left a memorable performance against Real Madrid at the Camp Nou, in which he was tasked with man-marking Luis Figo, who'd recently betrayed the Cules by signing for the eternal rivals. But in 2001-2002, Puyol went on to consolidate his position as a starter with Carles Reixac, with 51 games and 2 goals. But there was still another change in position waiting for Puyol. He'd played practically everywhere along the years, but he still had to discover the position which would end up defining his career, as a centre-back. Just before the 2002 World Cup in South Korea and Japan, Jose Antonio Camacho, who had already made Puyol debut in the national side back in 2000, decided to try him out as a centre-back versus Portugal to see what he was capable of in that position. The game ended in a 1-1 draw, but Puyol was definitely one of the best performers, proving his worthiness as a centre-back. Although he would play that World Cup as a right-back, with Hierro and Tony Nadal dominating the central areas. 
Bangal, who returned to Barcelona in 2002, would also play him now and then in that position. But it wasn't until Radomir Antic took over Bangal's post at the beginning of 2003, after a bad spell, that Puyol established himself in the centre-back position. And what a great decision that was. So Puyol had established himself as a centre-back, but let's remember this was a new position for him. He wasn't an elite centre-back yet. We're going to hear now about how Puyol's Barcelona career developed by speaking to Richard Fitzpatrick, who's lived in Barcelona for years and who is the author of El Clasico, Barcelona versus Real Madrid, football's greatest rivalry. Richard's going to tell us about how Puyol evolved into an elite centre-back and about how he became Barcelona captain. Realistically, I don't think Puyol could be considered a world-class centre-back until about maybe midway through his career. If you think he made his debut with Barca, the Barca first team in around 99 and he continued playing for about 15 years in the first team until he retired in 2014. Um, but it wasn't until say around 2006 when he captained Barca to the to, uh, to the Champions League title that season that he really established himself as a, as a world class player. He was always a utility um, defender in the club squad, but um, I don't think he reached that top top level until midway through his career. I think Puyol was captain material from day one. Um, when did uh, Puyol's captaincy start? Uh, back uh, when Luis Enrique retired around the end of the 2003-2004 season. Um, so he came at the right time. Joanne Laporta had been installed as pr- club president a uh, year beforehand and it um, signalled a shift in the club's fortunes. Um, Puyol came straight in. They had uh, had some dreadful uh, years since Luis Figo had left for Real Madrid in 2000. They hadn't won a trophy in, in four years, going on five years. But his first season um, as captain, they won a league title and then won back-to-back league title and of course the Champions League title in 2006 he's just a natural born leader Um, he is not the kind of um, captain like say Sergio Ramos who everybody loves to hate who um, his backs to the wall um, Puyol just leads by example he, he exudes this kind of natural authority um, he's not a, an aggressive or hostile player it's just he he, he has these innate principles of uh, of, of kind of honesty and integrity that is infectious for for teammates around him you you would have always seen him as a player breaking up um, you know scuffles uh, always being seen to do the right thing you know he he was just an old school kind of leader um, that led by example he was one of those uh, players that we don't see much of anymore who was a one club man he played all his career with Barca and um, just captaincy he, he just led on the pitch and one thing that is obviously missing um, from today's Barca is, is that kind of leadership and, and concentration that he brought to, to each match and focus one of the first things I thought when I saw that um, scandalous goal that Barca conceded in the Champions League semi-final last May against Liverpool in the 4-0 defeat 
um, that shambolic corner kick uh, goal that was a lapse in concentration in Barca's defence something that would never have happened on um, Carlos Puyol's watch he would have had um, his defence on their toes ready for a, a, you know a, a, an elementary uh, defensive position that they would have had to take up at a corner it would never have happened um, if he was playing so Barca missed that kind of leadership that he provided them today um, what, a, what a captain of course, Puyol was the captain throughout the Pep Guardiola years and that meant lifting a lot of trophies. Let's go straight back to Richard to hear now about how important he was for Guardiola, a former Barcelona captain himself, of course. There was a huge shift once uh, Pep Guardiola took over from Frank Ragnard in uh, 2008 and Puyol was an integral part of that um, change in philosophy and in attitude chiefly. When Pep Guardiola took over, Barcelona were in were in the doldrums. I mean, they'd lost the previous season's title race to Real Madrid by 18 points. It was a huge, huge margin. Guardiola came in, he got rid of the troublemakers, chiefly Deco and Ronald from the dressing room he obviously changed uh, the style of play as well there's a great, far greater emphasis on the high press he, about having greater control in midfield and obviously Puyol was Guardiola's great leader um, of that team he epitomised the kind of identity and the values that Guardiola prized kind of humility um, Catalan um, pride in Catalan identity uh, there was no showboating none of that um, insubordination or decadence that you would have had in the later years of Frank Reichardt's reign Puyol was a consummate professional and he, he it was his kind of um, values and leadership on the pitch on and off it that that um, that led that Barca team under Guardiola to so many um, glorious days Thank you, Richard, for that insight there. We've already spoken a lot about Puyol's career, but we've still got so much more to get through. We're going to take a quick break, and afterwards, we'll hear about his international career, about his partnership with Gerard Piquet, and about his life after hanging up his boots. So, join us after this short pause. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Hello and welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown podcast. We are reminiscing about Carles Puyol's career and we can't do that without discussing his international career. Puyol, of course, was a key player as Spain returned to the top of the international football stage. Paco Pollock joins us now to tell this part of Puyol's story. It really didn't take that long for Puyol to become a household name for the national team. And actually, his first official game with Spain had pretty much everything thrown into the melting pot. His debut as the team's right back, making his big break on the exact same date as Xavi Hernández, November 15th of the year 2000, and a slight incident at the last minutes of that game against the Netherlands as Puyol had to leave the pitch after his teammate Fernando Hierro nailed him on the thigh with his cleats. Anyway, he was the happiest man on the face of the earth. After all, he had only been playing in Barca's first team for around one year before Jose Antonio Camacho decided he deserved a spot on the team. However, his international career didn't fully blossom in the same way he met success in Ronaldinho's Barca, for example. Under Camacho first and later Iñaki Saez, Spain were unable to realize their full potential. First in that famously disappointing quarterfinal knockout against South Korea in the 2002 World Cup, including a disgraceful disallowed goal by Egyptian referee Al Gandur, and later in the 2004 Euro, the one where Greece, you might remember it, prevailed thanks to their rock-solid defending and where the Spanish Furia were unable to go past the group round. At that point in his career, Puyol had already found his place in the center of the defense and was the go-to fullback in the squad, consistently starting every single official game and adding caps to his resume. Then, in 2006, possibly in one of his best personal and professional moments after winning the Champions League with Barca, Pujol and the squad with Luis Aragonés at the helm faced the challenge of the World Cup played in Germany. A tournament where he was one of the biggest highlights in the opening game after an epic play running across the pitch, performing a roulette and assisting Torres with a head pass for a goal for the ages against Ukraine. Thus, the shark, Tiburón Pujol, was born. Unfortunately, that rousing opening win with a 4-0 score didn't find the same level of success in the knockout round. Spain faced France. Some newspapers here even claimed that the team would jubilar or retire Zinedine Zidane, and the opposite happened. Spain was out once again, this time in the last 16 round. Another disappointment for the country, frustration for players such as Carles, and very bad news for Luis Aragonés, who was slammed by the media. But finally, two years later, things clicked. It would happen in 2008 Euro in Austria, where finally Spain played the beautiful and effective football nobody thought it was even possible. Before Guardiola's Barca, you had Aragonés' Spain, and Puyol was a member of both legendary teams. He played right next to Valencia's Carlos Marchena, as Ramos, remember, was still placed on the right back. And he was absolute perfection. The win in the final against Germany, a Torres goal once again, opened the golden age for the Spanish national team. 
Two years later, Spain were no longer a wild card. They were the European champions and faced their biggest challenge in South Africa with Vicente del Bosque as the new coach. And even though they found it tough to come back after the opening defeat against Switzerland, Spain overcame every hurdle along the way until facing once again Germany in the semi-finals. A very, very close game without goals until the 73rd minute came along and Xavi Hernández took a corner kick. La pelota al equipo de Vicente del Bosque desde el córner. ¿Por qué no? Ahí va Xavi. Balón al segundo palo. ¡Cubullón! Carles Puyol scored the winning goal and pumped his fist in the air while the whole team ran to hug him. Spain was in the final, Spain could finally do it, and Iniesta's 116th minute goal sealed the deal. World champions, Carles Puyol, one of the captains, was one of the first to touch on that golden cup after Iker Casillas held it to the sky in Johannesburg. It was the swan song for Puyol's international career, but he actually didn't know it yet. He kept being called by Del Bosque, but injuries began taking a toll. Both Ramos and Gerard Piquet gelled very well together in the center of the defense, so his presence was no longer required. His biggest challenge was making it to the 2012 Euro, but an unlucky knee injury prevented him from playing that tournament. His last game for the Spanish national team was in February 2013, with his cap number 100. That day he wore the captain's armband in his last appearance ever with the Spanish shirt. It's quite an international career. Few players ever win a World Cup and even fewer do so with a winning goal in the semi-final. Of course, Puyol's centre-back partner in that tournament in South Africa was Gerard Piquet, who from 2008 was also his club teammate. It was a very interesting and effective partnership. The odd couple, as Graham Hunter dubbed it in his book about Barcelona, Here's what Jared Piquet had to say about playing alongside Puyol in an interview. Puyol, I think, is one of the best centre-backs in the history of the club. Uh, he's a very important figure in the history of Football Barcelona. And for me, it was an example when I arrived here. I was 21 year old and, and he was an example. Uh, I was very lucky to play alongside him uh, for so many years. and. Right now I'm trying to do what, what he did to me when I was young. Now let's bring in Barcelona fan and blogger Kevin Williams. Kevin's going to tell us more about what made that centre-back pairing just so special. So when Gerard Piquet returned to uh, Barcelona, uh, that relationship that he and Puyol had was really very much like master teaching the young, young apprentice how to do a job. It's worth recalling that they were almost diametric opposites in that PK was tall, handsome, urbane. He came from money, where Puyol was like almost this literal caveman who would come rolling in on this vine to solve problems, kick everybody in the head, and save the day. So when he saw Piquet, and this is obviously me speculating, he saw this lump of raw material that he hoped uh, could be shaped into this amazing center back. And he set about doing that. 
during one match. They're standing there, and then Puyol starts yelling at PK, Jerry, Jerry. And finally, PK says, what? And he just says, focus. And I think that that, more than anything else, sums up their relationship. Certainly in the, the early years, you can see them not only learning how to play together, but you can see Puyol teaching PK how to not only be a center back, but how to be a Barcelona center back, which is a very, very different thing. Puyol had, till that moment, been playing with Rafa uh, Marquez, with Gabby uh, Melito, and they were more, more traditional center backs, where PK was more of a glorified defensive midfielder. What's really interesting is that you can watch their relationship develop over time. You can see Puyol giving PK more and more leeway. I think uh, the apogee of that partnership was the last Guardiola Champions League year, where most of the time they were three at the back with PK center, Puyol on the right, and then Abidal on the left, and Danny Alves was obviously off somewhere being a, a midfielder or right wing, whatever. And you could see Puyol standing there and watching PK and watching him control this space, watching him make the right pass, make the right decision. And you can see that all of that was the culmination of how they learned to play together, how Puyol taught PK how to play. They were, for me, for two seasons, the best center back pairing in football. Now, this was not only because of what they had in front of them, which was a midfield that basically controlled every match. But when that midfield broke and when danger came, they knew instinctively where to be in relationship to the other one. So one always had the other one's back. I mean, there were many times that PK saved Puyol. I like to think that those moments that PK saved Puyol made Puyol feel very proud inside because he really, without Puyol, PK is not the center back that we see today. In the end, Puyol had to leave PK to it. He had to pass on the torch, something he'd been preparing for ever since PK arrived at the club. As Kevin just explained, it was in 2014 that Puyol retired, but he remained involved with football and involved with Barcelona initially. To tell us what Puyol did after stepping off the pitch for the last time, here's Matt Clark. Shortly after Puyol retired, it was only natural that Barcelona wanted to hold on to one of their most iconic captains, and so gave him a role upstairs. He was made assistant sporting director to Andoni Zubizarreta, director of football at Camp Nou. But this was a short-lived tenure, just three and a half months, and it ended when Zubizarreta was sacked in January 2015. Puyol quickly tendered his resignation in solidarity with his friend and colleague as Barcelona plunged into a boardroom crisis. This was all fallout from their failed appeal to overturn their transfer ban, which was made after breaching regulations involving foreign youth players. 
Priol made a statement saying, I now want to experience other things from another perspective and from elsewhere. Most observers assumed it would not be too long though before he made his return. True to his words, Puyol dabbled as an agent of sorts, something which does offer a unique perspective of football, it's fair to say. Later in 2015, he started up a new players agency, along with Ivan de la Peña and legal eagle Ramon Sostres. He told El País, My job will be to transmit, using my experience, my knowledge, with the intention of making the player more professional. I want to be a life coach, who helps them to think, to make decisions and to manage their emotions. Mark Batra was one of the first clients, and then Puyol even infuriated his former club when he helped Eric Garcia make the move from La Masia to Manchester City. Carles Aligna is another of their clients to break through more recently. But Puyol's involvement in this ended in 2018, as he wanted to put more of his energy into other roles in the game. Puyol was also due to do some commentary and punditry work on the Iran-Spain game at the Russia World Cup for Iranian TV. But in a bizarre turn of events, he was dropped from the coverage because his hair was too long. This was denied by the broadcaster, but surely they must have known about his iconic locks before they booked him. Puyol has worked as an ambassador in recent years. One of these roles is with La Liga, and he was part of an El Clasico screening in Greece for refugee families, and he helped to bring them a range of cultural and football-themed activities. He's also a UEFA ambassador on behalf of Spain for Euro 2020. Along with Gaiska Mendieta, Marcos Senna, Xabi Alonso and Xavi Hernandez, Puyol will join an all-star cast of past players to represent their country in this summer's pan-European tournament, the 60th anniversary of the inaugural championship. Puyol clearly has an altruistic streak, especially when it comes to young people. He also has a role with the Laureus World Sports Academy, which, according to their website, uses the power of sport to transform the lives of children and young people. One of his appearances in this role was alongside old classical rival Raul by meeting disadvantaged children in the Miami area before participating in a football session with them. Back in September 2019, Puyol was offered the chance to make his long-awaited return to Camp Nou in the role of sporting director. After much careful consideration and weighing everything up, he decided to reject their approach. In a statement on Twitter, he cited the personal projects as the main obstacle because these would prevent him from giving the position his exclusive attention, which it deserves and of course requires. The timing wasn't quite right then, but it seems inevitable that he will end up back home at some point in the future. Thanks Matt, we'll all keep an eye on Puyol's future with keen interest, but for now we can reflect on his past and a wonderful career. We hope you've enjoyed reminiscing along with us. Thanks go out to all the contributors to this podcast, to Roman de Arcaire, to Richard Fitzpatrick, to Paco Pollitt, to Kevin Williams and to Matt Clark. Thanks of course to you as well for listening. Mm-hmm.